Our New Testament reading is uh, from Ephesians 6, verses 21 through 24, and you can find it on page 570 in the Paper Bible. So, that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. When I was growing up, uh, my aunt was the best gift giver. I, she lived a few states away, and so whenever a package came in the mail from her, I was always really excited. And she wasn't the, the best gift giver because she always gave me what I wanted, but she was the one who always sent me the thing I actually needed. So for instance, in middle school, if you had asked me what do I want for my birthday, I probably would have told you like a, like a Sega Genesis game or something, or maybe a, a new CD like, like Pearl Jam or, or Weezer. <laughs> or if, if, I, if you caught me at a really honest moment, I'd probably ask you just for permission to never go back to middle school again. That would have been my ultimate gift. But what my aunt really gave me, she gave me a green duffel bag, canvas duffel bag that said Bass on it. You know, like the, the men's shoe brand, Bass. I don't even, it's not a popular brand. Maybe you don't even know it. But it was a Bass shoe, green duffel bag. And when I got it, I wasn't totally thrilled with that present. But little did I know that bag, I would use it pretty much every day from the day I got it until I was out of college. That little duffel bag became like my gym bag. I took it on overnight trips. I just generally kind of used it for everything to the point where it became kind of just something I really liked, something I really cared about. And the reason I, I bring that up is because as we are wrapping up Ephesians today, as we look at these last few verses of a letter that we have been studying all this summer and then all the summer before, um, I think the best way to describe these, these verses is, is Paul tells us about the gift that we really need. He's trying to tell us about the gift that we really need. It may not be the gift that we want, but it is the gift that we really need. Today, Paul wants to remind us of the gifts that God gives to us, his people. And so I want us to see those things today. I want us to try to connect with them. I want us to try to really get a vision for these things that Paul is talking about so that we see, we start to appreciate them, so that we start to see how, how precious they really are, so that we start to delight in these gifts that God's given us. So that's what I want us to do. It's a really simple outline today. I want us to say, what are the gifts that we have been given and what are we supposed to do with them? That's it. What are the gifts that we have been given and what are we supposed to do with them? Okay, so what are the gifts we've been given? Actually, before I answer that question, let me ask you another question. Okay, if you could ask God for any gift today, if you could ask God for anything and you knew that he was going to give it to you, 100% guaranteed, what would you ask him for? 
Think about it. I'll be honest, if I could ask God for any gift today, I would probably ask him for like 40 more people to be here every week. (laughs) I'd ask him for some more people on our setup team. I'd just ask him for generally like some more help to put on this Sunday service. That's, That's probably, if I'm being honest, that is what I would ask for. What about you? What would you ask for? Maybe you would ask for the solution to some kind of problem in your life. Maybe you'd ask for lower rent or a better job. Maybe you'd ask for the end of some conflict that you're going through. Maybe you'd ask for a spouse. I don't know. But God, he gives us what we actually need. Not necessarily what we want. And that's the kind of gift that Paul is talking about here. Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them. It's page 570 in these paperback Bibles. We're looking at verse 23 of Ephesians 6. He says, peace be to the brothers, there's a little footnote there, brothers and sisters, peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Those are the gifts. He says, peace be to the brothers and sisters, and grace be to all who love Jesus. Peace and grace. Those are the gifts. And they are glorious gifts. Those are amazing things. Now, if you were here last week and heard my sermon from last week, uh, you may know this already, but, but I'm going through a, a hard time, personally. Uh, I really, I resonate with, with what Bilbo Baggins says at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings book, in the beginning of the movies, he says that he's tired, that he doesn't look it, maybe, but he, but he feels thin, that he feels sort of stretched out like butter scraped over too much bread. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe you feel that way too right now. And the challenge that, that I face, the challenge that we all face when we're in a time like that, is that we can become really short-sighted. That we can get so caught up in our present hardship and the things that are causing us pain right now that we begin to lose our sense of wonder. That we begin to lose our sense of joy. That we forget that the truth of the gospel that we have is is glorious. That it's magnificent. And that, that these gifts that Paul is talking about, peace and grace, they really do belong to us. And so that's what I want us to do. Let's just take this opportunity before we leave Ephesians, because this is it, we're done. We're going to move to another book next week. Let's let's try to see the good news today. This freedom-granting, glorious, joyous, good news that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. And it can be summed up in these two words, peace and grace. Peace. That first word, that's kind of like the theme of this whole letter. Peace. We've called our series, the slide's not up, doesn't matter, All Things Made One. And we called it that because in the beginning, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that the great mystery of the gospel has been revealed as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That what God wants to do is bring all people, he wants to reconcile us to himself, 
He wants to reconcile us to each other. And he wants to bring everything in all of creation into that peace. He puts it another way. Ephesians chapter 2. Again, pull out your Bibles. Look at it. We may not get a chance to read this together for a while. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. It says, For he himself, for Christ himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making, what, what's it say? You guys can answer me. What? Peace, right? That he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And it says, he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Spirit in the one Spirit to the Father. And so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What do you think you need today? Well, peace is what you really need. And in Christ, peace is what you have. Division, it defines our lives, doesn't it? And that distance from God, our division from God, it kind of impacts everything we do. I doubt that any of us in our honest moments would say that we have any business in the presence of a holy God. None of us think we're that great. Nobody thinks I honestly could stand the test of perfection. Right? Who here wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I am good today. If I meet God today, he is, he's going to call me into his office. He's going to give me a high five. He's going to give me a hug and he's going to say, Logan, I should have made 11 commandments because you were just so good at keeping those first 10. Right? Nobody thinks that. Nobody's, you know, we don't think God's going to come to us and say, how did you possibly do it? How did you love people so well? How, how was your heart so united in worship of me all the time? How did you make it through life without falling into lust or envy or anger or pride or anxiety? How did you do it? You're so great. Come on in here. No, right? That's not us. We are a mess. <laughs> We're a mess every single day. Every day we wake up in a battlefield. We wake up in a war with ourselves, fighting, fighting against ourselves to, to try and be faithful to God. We wake up in a war with the world around us, fighting against our culture to be faithful to God, fighting against a world that has largely left him behind and thinks we're crazy. And we wake up, like we've talked about the last few weeks, in the war with the devil, in a war with our enemy who wants to lie to us and convince us that we will be better off without God. And that he doesn't really love us. And that he won't really forgive us. And we get beat up. And we feel that, right? Right now, you feel that, don't you? You feel the weight of your unrighteousness. We know that we have 
no right to stand before a holy God. But Jesus says, peace. He says, peace. He says, I have lived perfectly in your place. He says, I have given my life to pay the penalty for your crimes against God. He says, I have won the war and you have peace. Peace be to the brothers and the sisters. Brothers and sisters, do you know that? Do you know that you have peace with God this morning? That you have peace with each other? God is not at war with you. His wrath has been poured out. And we, we're not at war with each other. Do you know that? We have been brought into a family that will never be broken apart. John Stott, the British pastor, he said that peace, reconciliation with God and with one another, that is the great achievement of Jesus Christ. And it's our gift today. Right now, you have it. It's in your possession. Now look, I know that's hard to connect with. I bet there's some of you here right now who don't feel like you're at peace with God. God might be showing you the firm side of his love right now. God might be disciplining you. God might be trying to burn some of that sin out of you. Maybe you're going through something that really hurts. I am. Look, I am. That's what I, some days I wake up in the morning and I feel like I can barely stand. I feel like it's the most I can do to just read Psalm 88 and say, incline your ear to my cry. My soul is full of troubles. But even if you're there, even at those worst moments, Here's our certainty. We have peace with God. He's not against us. You can sleep at night. You can rest in that truth. You can wonder at that mystery. God has spoken peace. He has removed the barrier between you and Him. And He is removing the barriers between us between you and me. That's crazy. Think about that. Who in your life are you guaranteed to have peace with? Are you guaranteed to have peace with your parents? No, right? Are you guaranteed to have peace with your roommates? No. With your spouse? No. With your children? No. But you are guaranteed peace with the living God. That doesn't make any sense, folks. That's crazy. Peace be to you, brothers and sisters. And grace. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus. That's the second gift. But it's connected to the first, right? It's not all that different. Grace is the way we get the peace, right? Gift number two, grace. Paul mentions it in the very beginning of this letter. Again, pull out your Bibles, look at them. Ephesians 1, pick them up. Verse 4. It says, 
even as He chose us in Him, even as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious... What? All right. (laughs) Which He has blessed us with in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of His trespasses, of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. That's pretty cool. It says He has lavished His grace upon us. That peace that we have, it's not because we earned it. The peace we have with God, it's not because that one day, some time ago, you had the good sense to repent of your sins. It's not because your brain works better than other people's brains and and you were able to work up faith when other people weren't. You know, it's not even because God, at some time unknown, looked out into the future and he saw all the people and he said, you know, here's some people with potential. This, this guy, he's got potential and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save him because I know that someday he's going to do something good for me. I'm going to save her because I can tell that she's going to be a, a powerful woman of faith. No. You have peace with God because of undeserved, unmerited grace that he has lavished upon us. He didn't do anything for it. I love those last words. He says, grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible, with an eternal love. Because it means if we really didn't save ourselves, if God is the one who saved us, then that means if you love Jesus, that's the kind of love you have. It's an incorruptible love. It's an undying love. It's an eternal love. Even if it feels shaky sometimes, it is an incorruptible love because it didn't come from you. It came from him. Apart from him, remember this? This is Ephesians. Apart from him, we were dead in our trespasses. We were committed to our own selves. We were committed to our own kingdoms, not God's kingdoms. We were committed to our kingdom of dirt and dust that's going to fade and be gone after we're gone. But God, by his grace, has come to us. He put life in our dead souls. He has forgiven our sins. And he has welcomed us in. Folks, God doesn't treat us like we deserve. God does not treat you like you deserve. That's pretty amazing. You might go through hard times. But you are never going to get the punishment that your sins really deserve because of Jesus. In fact, it says, instead of the punishment you deserve, you will get Jesus. You're going to get to know Him. You are going to get to love Him. You are going to get to be in the presence of God forever. Love incorruptible. And you can't earn that by being extra good. And you you can't lose that when you aren't being extra good. 
Because of the love, it doesn't come from us. It is with us all the time. It's from God. It's a gift. A gift freely given. And you know what? I just wish I was a better preacher. That's the truth. I wish that I wish I had the power to make this matter to you. (laughs) I wish that I could make this come alive in your hearts. I wish that you could see this and rejoice in this, but but I can't persuade you of it. But these are the most amazing gifts that you're ever going to know. In Christ, we have peace and we have grace. So, what do we do with those gifts? That's the second thing we need to ask. What do we do with those gifts? Okay, so that bag, remember? The green duffel bag? It didn't seem so great at first. It wasn't like the most awesome present to open. But eight years later, it was something really special to me. I really cared about it. Because I knew what it was for, right? This bag had a role. It had a purpose in my life. (laughs) I knew exactly what it was for. You know, the same way that, that Indiana Jones gets up in the morning and he grabs his whip and his fedora, <laughs> Logan would get up and grab his green duffel bag. <laughs> it, was my, it was preparing me for the day ahead. Well, grace and peace, okay? They are much better gifts than a green duffel bag. <laughs> I, it's too bad Kendra's not here. I feel like that's the, the good quote for our Facebook page. Grace and peace are better than a duffel bag. I don't know. Um, They are better, though. (laughs) I know that it's weird. When we talk about terms like that, they can seem so abstract, right? They can seem far off. They can seem like things you can't really take with you. What difference is that going to make in my life today? What difference is that going to make for me tomorrow? But what I I guess I want to say this morning is, like any gift, like any good gift, we grow to love them as we learn how to use them. We grow to love those things as we use them. Erwin Entz is a name I hope you guys get to know. You probably maybe have never heard it before this moment. But Erwin Entz is a leader in our denomination. In fact, he was the first uh, African-American moderator of our General Assembly, which means he's like the most important guy in our church this year. And uh, he also is the head of this uh, group called the Institute for Cross-Cultural Mission. Uh, It's based out of Washington, D.C., but he's traveling all around the country, and he's meeting with different pastors and speaking with them. And he met with us a few months ago, and in his talks, he has this really awesome phrase uh, that that just gets me so excited. Um, You know, his main point is he wants to convince our church of the biblical mandate that our churches become racially and ethnically reconciled. And to get across that point, the quote he throws out is that justification is not God's goal for you. Now, if you're not a pastor, maybe that doesn't get you as excited as it does me. So so let me break it down a little bit. He says, justification is not God's goal for you. Justification, it's that courtroom terminology. It's what we were just talking about, really, with the grace and peace stuff. It's this idea that our status before God has been changed. We are guilty. We've been declared innocent. Because Jesus died for our sins, because he has given his holy and perfect record to us, 
Now we're counted as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21, right? God made Jesus who had no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's justification. But that's just the beginning. That's not the end. God's plan for us is not that we would just be, be declared good even though we're bad and then that we just stay that way forever. His plan is to transform us. His plan is to change us by the power of His Holy Spirit. His plan is for you as a recipient of peace and grace to become an ambassador of peace and grace. The gifts we've been given, they have a purpose. And until you understand their purpose, you will not know how sweet they really are. We have received peace so that we can extend the peace. Our Old Testament reading that Manny read was uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. I don't know if you were honed in on it while he was reading, but you know the story, right? All these people are united together, and God comes down and he confuses their languages. But what happened was, why did he do that? Well, all the people, they were united together, but they were united together in the common purpose of being against God. So God in his mercy, he split them up. But we also read what comes after that. The beginning of Genesis 12. God calling to Abraham and unfolding his plan to undo what had just happened at Babel. He says, I am going to bless all the nations through you. I'm going to bless all the nations by sending my son, Jesus. And fast forward in the Bible, you get to Acts chapter 2, and we see that literally take place, right? We see the Tower of Babel undone. You remember? The Holy Spirit that comes down at Pentecost. Peter proclaims the gospel, but everybody from all different languages, they're able to hear this one message that's meant to bring people back together to, again, make them one. So when Paul says, peace be to the brothers and the sisters, well, that's, that's a message that's true, but, but it's a message that's ongoing. We aren't going to have any idea of the depth of that peace until we start to see it worked out in our neighborhood. Until we start to see that reconciling peace of God worked out in Jamaica Plain and Roxbury and every corner of the city of Boston. Until we come to the time where we see every race and class and culture worshiping together. And I don't know, you, you probably, maybe some of you are jiving with that. Maybe you love that message. Maybe some of you are objecting to it. Maybe you're like, yeah, I don't know. That just sounds like the culture. You know, that sounds like what everybody's about right now. But I want to encourage you to look at the Bible. This isn't the effects of our culture. This is the vision of God's kingdom. This is what the Bible teaches, that God is working to reconcile all people to himself. Jamar Tisby, he says this, he says, racial and ethnic diversity is not about trendiness. It's not about secular sociology. It's about God's glorious plan of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. Churches should strive to reflect 
the ethnic composition of their community as much as possible in their context. And in doing so, believers will participate in the majestic expansion of God's kingdom to include all kinds of people from across the face of the earth. It's just another way of saying what Irwin says, that justification is not the goal. Just getting the status of peace between God and between one another is not the goal. But peace has been given to you so that we would give it to others. Like Paul says in Romans, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. We have been gifted peace in order to give peace. We get peace to give peace. And it's the same with grace. Grace is received so grace can be extended. People who get grace give grace. Now, grace is much easier to receive than it is to offer. I'll give you that. That is a fact. Grace is much easier to receive than it is to offer. We will always be much happier to receive what we don't deserve than to give somebody else what they don't deserve, right? Why is that? Well, it's because there's a cost. Think about it. Think in your, just take a moment right now and, and envision somebody who you are at odds with. Think about somebody who, who is, maybe somebody who's done you wrong, somebody who rubs you the wrong way, maybe somebody you're angry with. Now, for you to forego your anger and instead offer that person mercy is costly. For you to forego your righteousness, to forego your sense of rightness, and instead choose humility, is costly. There's a cost to that, right? A lot of times when pastors are talking about forgiveness, they use illustrations like a broken lamp or something. You know, somebody comes to your house and they break your lamp. And for you to forgive them, what you choose to do is, it's not that you just forgive them and, and the cost is gone. No, when you forgive someone for breaking your lamp, you choose to pay for the lamp, right? So forgiveness always bears a cost. That's one way to describe it. But I think that's too small, really. Because forgiveness, extending grace, it's not just about bearing the cost. Extending grace when somebody sins against you is actually about showing them Jesus when they sin against you. It's about responding to them in a way that conveys your love for them, regardless of whether they deserve it. And this is a place where I really struggle. When people hurt me, when people really hurt me, I feel justified in responding coldly. I feel justified in excusing my slowness to be kind, to extend a hand. And that's really deep in me, you know? In fact, as I was imagining being you guys this week, I just realized there's nothing anybody can say that's really going to change that in me. There's nothing 
any pastor could preach to me that would change that instinct in my heart. But you know who can change that? Jesus. See, getting grace, it's not just a theological category. Getting grace, it's not just something that happens to you once and then, and then you move on with the rest of your life. No, God's grace is, is a power that's supposed to work in us. It's a grace that's supposed to work in the lives of Christians every single day. That means that for us to be people who give grace, we need to get grace. We need to get it not just once, but we need to get it every day. That you need to wake up. <laughs> And you need to put yourself before the Lord. And you need to examine your heart. And you need to repent. And you need to receive His grace and forgiveness. You see, when you do that, when you come before Him, when you lay it all out before Him, and you experience His grace, that's where the power is. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Because if we're being honest with ourselves... The first time you come to God for forgiveness, it's a big deal, right? The first time God forgives you of sins, it's, it's beautiful, it's glorious, it changes you. But you know what else? It kind of makes sense, right? Of course he'd forgive you that first time. And even the second time, when you bring that same sin back to him and you, you plead for forgiveness... There's power in it. It feels great, but, but you get it. You know, it was a mistake. Of course he'll forgive you. But then try the 50th time. Then try the 500th time. Then try the 1,000th time. When you get grace from God in that moment, all it can do is take your breath away. When you get grace from God in that moment... You just say, this, there's no reason why you should forgive me. Why? I'm not worth it. Why would you? It doesn't make sense. I failed so many times before. How can you take my word for it again? When you experience that, when you realize that God doesn't treat you like your sins deserve changes you. And when you get that grace, it enables you to give it. When you get that kind of grace on a daily basis, how could you ever withhold it from anybody? So what do you need today? What's the answer to the question? What do you want from God? What is that one thing that if he would just give it to you right now, you feel like everything else would fall into place? That your life would be set? Well, I want to invite you to look up, to look over here and see what you really have. See the gift that you have been given. See the gift that you really need. I'm reminded where the psalmist says in Psalm 16, he says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. 
You have what you need. Peace with God and with one another. Grace for yourself and for your neighbor. You have it. It's guaranteed. And you don't deserve it. I want to invite you to come up here this morning and receive it with joy. Even if you don't understand what's so great about it today, that you learn and that it would become precious to you. Let's pray.